0: Everyone, we're going to jump in tonight right into Hanukkah. Again, once again, thanking Kilat HaVerim for hosting this uh, fine sheer. Um, well, it's a fine shul. I hope the shir will be fine as well. The Sheamish Shmuel again, it'll connect up to Mikates as well. Like so many of the Rebbe's, the Parshas that come out around Hanukkah, they always join up the events in the Parsha with Hanukkah. But let's start from the Hanukkah part in there. He quotes the Chidusha Arim. Okay, let's just remember the layout. Among the Talmidim of the Kotzker Rebbe, so, were many, but among three great branches that came from there were Ger, the Chidushy Arim. There was Alexander, Rebbe of Alexander. And there was Sochachev. There was um Rom, Sochachev, Davnei Nezer. And the Shemishmuel is his son. So he brings a lot of Torah from that generation, that triumvirate, I guess you could call it, um, of Talmudim of the Kotzkar. So he says, the Chidush Rim of Gursh said that the Yavanim wanted to bring forgetfulness, shikha, to the Jews. So therefore, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu saved us, even in the form of what's called Nekama, revenge, that means that he enabled us to remember. Nekama, he says, is when you take that which someone wanted to do to you, and you kind of fling it back at them even more so so if they were trying to bring shikha, forgetfulness to us so therefore part of the victory of Hanukkah is the idea of remembering so therefore that has to be part and parcel of the Hanukkah that we have there's some type of remembering which is activated every year which is the ongoing victory that we have so what is it that we remember he says, midas There's memory and there's memory. Nowadays in the world, among people that are kind of spiritual, they like to talk about the idea of deep memories from even beyond, before you were born. For Am Yisrael, he says that means first of all, to remember where your neshama comes from. The machza of ha what's called the quarry of neshamas, is a source above where the Malachim's source is from, he quotes from Vital on this, we are children of Hashem. Bonim atem la'ashem elokeichem. I always remember somebody I knew who said he was on a subway in New York and a missionary approached him and said, would you like to hear about the Son of God? He said, honey, I am the Son of God. Right? He says, bonim atem la'ashem the Jewish people are. So, um, so he says, this idea, so you are this child of Hashem. You were sent into the world and to remember that that was for a purpose and to realize that after the end of your life in this world you will continue on with this connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He says what they quote from the uh, Pirkei Ovos, right? a Mishnah that sounds initially depressing and that's why we'll have to give the Svasemesis parish on it also. They read it at funerals. Look at three things. And you will not come to sin. Know where you come from. Where you're going to. And before whom you're going to have to report on your life. And then the Mishnah answers it for you. You came from a small decaying drop of biological matter to where are you going? To a place of dirt, rotting, and worms. or who are you going to have to report to? Lifne So if you had that on your alarm clock, you'd probably want to pull the covers over your head and not get out of bed. So the Svazenna says, that's the way the Eitzahara reads the Mishnah. He says, but there's another way to read the Mishnah. The Mishnah is to understand, yes. I started from a couple of cells, but Akarosh infused those cells and the body that grew from it with an Hashemit tahara That's an amazing thing. It's true. The body eventually will be put away in its place, but that's not you. That was the car that you drove, and you're going to be continuing on. And that means that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is looking after you, caring about you, and giving you a significant portion that you will be able to come to the king and report to what you did. Your significance goes far beyond the limited scope of what's here. So he says, this is the memory that's supposed to be done. A a deep and big memory. Now he said there are different types of memory. There are things that we remember as facts, but they don't affect us deeply inside. In Aramaic, it's called mikufya. It's an outside external memory. And you're not really connected to it. But if a person can really connect to those memories, then everything you do will be filled with life. And be filled with newness. And be filled with hislavus, with fervor. So that's why tzaddikim are called alive. They're called alive because they're able to bring those memories into their life here and to absorb them into themselves, they're not mikufya anymore, they're not on the outside, but they're part and parcel of them, and then the way they live is entirely different. How was it that the Greeks were able to get us to forget? He brings us back to that famous answer of the Bach, the Ba'is Chodesh Rabbi Rabiol circus, in his parish on the tour, that he said, because the Jews had fallen into habitual Judaism, habit, we went through the motions, it was cold, it was mechanical. So he said the Greeks, therefore, were able to bring such a person to forget their Judaism. However, that was actually engineered by a Kaddish Baruch Hu to help us. Because sometimes when someone's pushed, when they're really pushed, they remember that something is precious to them. You go through it, let's be honest. Almost every mitzvah that we do over a period of time becomes mechanical. The classic example is putting on tefillin. Sometimes, hopefully, that bar mitzvah boy is very careful with his tefillin, and he puts them on slowly, and he's always checking that he has the right amount of turns on there. And we know that after a bunch of years, it becomes that automatic uh, motion which is there as you're going over the morning uh, current events or such. A woman who lights Shabbos candles for the first time Right? The soup's already getting cold and she's still, you know, praying away there and doing her thing. But eventually life gets on, tired, you do it, mom, and you say it. So the Imre Amis, the Ger Rebbe, um, pre-war Europe, who made it here to Eretz Yisrael, said, this is what Chazal means, that having mechav shev, measure the reward of a mitzvah against its loss. He says, you know what that means? you might think that your mitzvahs are mechanical and they don't move you particularly, they don't mean that much to you. But he says, take a look at that same person if they appear to lose the mitzvah. For example, and this was apparently a true story in 9-11. There was a gentleman from Los Angeles who had come to Boston, our hometown, right, for, to do business. And he was scheduled to be on a flight. When he gets to the airport, he suddenly realizes that he left his Tefillin in the hotel room. So he called up the hotel and he says, my name is so so I was staying in room XYZ. Could you please um, UPS my Tefillin? Right, they, they had him go to the room. Is there a velvet bag with these things in there. UPS it to this address in Los Angeles. Here's my credit card. I'll cover everything for super fast delivery. They said, no, we can't do that. He says, what? They said, we can't take responsibility for your belongings. We're not going to ship them. And he said, that's insane. He says, uh, I'll, I'll write a waiver. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I need you to do this. They said, we're not doing it. They were announcing boarding for his plane. He didn't get on the plane. He went back to the hotel and got his tefillin. And that was the plane that was supposed to smash into the Pentagon that eventually crashed elsewhere. Okay, now again, I'm not bringing that for the Ashgaha uh, you know, willies in terms of that story, even though they're there. But for the idea that a person who suddenly... Is about to lose their tefillin, right? You can play with the scenario: businessman on his trip to the Cayman Islands to put some money in his offshore account, and suddenly, again, he realizes, "Where's my tefillin?" So he's going to be looking, you know, "Where's the Chabad house in the Cayman Islands?" You know, "Who can helicopter tefillin to me?" Since when you that excited about your tefillin, you barely notice that they're there. It's there; it's just somewhat forgotten on a certain level, but it's really there. That woman who went on vacation without bringing her Shabbos candles. We'll make wicks out of her clothes, right? She'll, she'll be lighting her makeup. She will do anything to light Shabbos candles, right? Again, because it's there. So the Greeks coming to cause us to forget were really there to get us to remember. So that is the power. The Swasem says a powerful thing about really every time we're thanking Hashem for saving us. And at some point, it's going to come to you and bother you. You're doing a Pesach Seder. And you're telling everybody about how terrible it was in Egypt and how Hashem saved us with such great miracles and that's why we thank Him this night. And somebody says, but didn't God put you in Egypt? In fact, it says in the Chumash, He told Avraham, I'm going to do it. Your children will be strangers in a land not theirs. They will enslave them and torture them. So He did that. So why are you thanking Him for taking you out of there? If you come home and your brother locks you in a closet for six hours and he lets you out, you don't buy him ice cream. Right? It's like, so why would you do that? Right? Also, you're on Hanukkah. Right? So he says, really built in to every time we thank Hashem for saving us. right? He announced Shul, Kiddush this week is sponsored by Mr. Greenstein to thank Hashem for healing him from his terrible illness. So he goes, hey Greenstein, who made you sick? He's right. You know, it's, like, it's there. So so the Swasama says, built into that thanks, therefore, is understanding that even the tsara was purposeful, that even the difficulty was important. He says these are the two aspects that we find in Alanisim of Lahodos Ulahalil. Lahodos is a form of thanking, but it's also connected to the idea of vidui, admitting. Right? When we say modim, we do this body language, we bow over. It's an idea of submitting. But Whartner says really every thank you is admitting to someone, I needed you. Even something as simple as, could you pass the ketchup please? Thank you. I couldn't reach the ketchup. I needed you. I was not capable of reaching the ketchup. My French fries were lonely. You helped me and did this. So it's admitting that. Lahodas is an idea of admitting that this process was also important the Golos aspect, the difficult aspect of Yavon, was important to bring about the Gaula because they had to push me into a state of forgetfulness so that I could truly remember what and who I am. Still so, remember this in Boston once again. We have Bostonian here, so I'm having Boston flashbacks. Um, there is one of the greatest mathematicians in the world, somebody named Professor Kashdan. He came to Boston in the 1970s i think it was some professors in harvard managed to get him out of russia and he had started keeping mitzvahs in moscow and he told me that he was kind of shocked when he first came to shul in in america and it was a nice shul, but he said you got to understand what was our davening in moscow we would have a lookout Right, to try to keep his eyes open for KGB people. We would change location every Shabbos, usually someplace, a basement with no windows. And people would go in one by one because he couldn't have crowds. And we would go into this dark basement and we would daven like he couldn't believe. He says, when I came here and I see people wandering in late, people falling asleep, people talking during that, he couldn't believe it. So we hope that we don't need such reminders to get it there, to realize what and how it is. But that tzara brought about a tremendous awakening among different people. So therefore, he says, these days have become days in which we can wake up, and which we can remember. And that is what we say in the Pasuk, I thank you even for the difficulty you put me in. Because the Yeshua that resulted from it is only meaningful because of that. Now there's another aspect of it. He says, I want to take it a step further than what the Chidush Arim said about the revenge being they wanted to make us forget and oh boy do we remember. Part of revenge or military victory is that when you win you take the weapons of the enemy and you get to use them. Okay, if people remember seeing the films of the guys from the Taliban trying to figure out how to fly all the American helicopters and tanks and stuff that got left over there. So that is part of winning a battle. You get those weapons. If the weapon that the Greeks tried to use was forgetfulness, our victory, he says, enabled us to take forgetfulness and to bring it into the arsenal of Kedusha. How do we use that? Forgetfulness can be very important. He says, you should not remember wrong things you did, don't remember mistakes you did. Don't get caught up in cycling over the past that wasn't right. Don't think about how many times you tried to do something better and you failed. He said, this type of memory weakens you. What you must remember is that you can move on. He says, forget that, realize that you're almost every day, you're newly born. Right? And therefore you have to believe that it's as if Hashem tells you, and the apostle can tell him, B'ni Ata, you're my child, Ani Hayom Yiliditichah. I gave birth to you today. Get up and go. It's a new day. So he said, that's the shikha of Kedusha, that B'nei Yisrael got. And the two go together. The more you remember the true nature of who you are, the more you're able to forget those negative things the more you remember the power of even the smallest positive thing, the more you're able to forget the negative. There's a quote, the Vilna Nagon quotes it, the Chavetz Chaim brings it down a lot, I forget the original source, on every moment and moment that a person keeps his mouth closed, meaning he wants to speak Lashonar and he doesn't, he benefits that hidden light right? that no Malach can even get to see. So the stipler gone, Bisol Yakov Kinevsky he asked the question, why does he use that strange language, Bcholega Varega, for every moment and moment? Why doesn't it just say, in reward for keeping your mouth closed, you get the ragonas? He says it's not talking about a person who didn't say the Hara. It's talking about a person who did say the Hara. You know that juicy thing about somebody in your shul and what really happened. And somebody asked you, you know what happened? Mm-hmm. Right, come on, you can tell me. 20 minutes he held out. Finally said, okay, I'll just tell you, don't tell anybody. Right? we know that works, right? <laughs> and, he, and he said it. He said, the stipler, for each one of those 20 minutes, you will have the Aragonas. Each one of those 20 minutes, you brought the Shechina into the world. You brought kedusha into the world. You defeated the power of the HR in the world, and that never goes away. Every little bit of that, it doesn't go even by the final result. To be able to remember that enables you to forget those other times. Again, with the stipler, I saw Melech Biederman recently brought this story. It was a famous story. There was a young man who really took upon himself in Rosh Hashanah. He was gonna be careful about what he looked at, that he was really gonna try to protect his eyes that way. And then for some reason he had to go to Tel Aviv and he fell down hard and he was depressed. As chavrusah said, come, we have to speak to the stipler. Now, speaking to the stipler at this point, in the end of his life, he wasn't able to hear very well. He had to write notes. So the young boy wrote a note. I had really been trying to do this, and I failed. It's all gone. I can't deal with myself. I can't look myself in the face. So the stipler read the note, and he could be very loud and very scary. And he said, said how many times did you not look? I was like, what? How many times did you not look? Did you ever count them? He said, for even one time, I would stand up when you walked in the room like I would for Yosef Ratzarik. To remember and to forget. One time you failed, 10,000 times you succeeded. This warped vision, he says, requires the power of shikha de Kedusha, holy forgetting, to get this out of ourselves. So he says, this is also part of what we gained on Hanukkah. You have to realize there were probably a lot of Jews like that on Hanukkah. Again, you know, we can't rewrite history. Not every single Jew, right, as soon as they lit the Neris in the Beis Hamikdash, became, right, no more misyave. There were still many, many Hellenized Jews. But it definitely did sweep many. And there were many Jews who had done many things during those years beforehand that they would probably want to forget. And that gift came with Hanukkah. As they remember, you're able to forget as well. Not to erase, because obviously the process of coming out of those things simply makes you greater. When a person does tshuva me'ava, and Hanukkah is a holiday of tremendous ava, the Rambam notes, Mitsu's Hanukkah, mitzvah chaviva yimod, it's very precious. Ramshimshim Pink is that, I'll set a beautiful thought. It says in Shirashirim, Shirim, min mineshikos the beloved should kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. And there's a medrash, Rashi brings it down, I believe, that says, not like in some countries where they kiss on the hand, not like in some countries where they kiss on the shoulder, I don't know where that is, right? But, like the kiss of Chosan and Kala, right? That they kiss mouth to mouth. That, that's the idea of Neshiko's peel. Said Rabbi shimshin Pinkus, that the Mesiris Nefesh, the self-sacrifice of the Hashem that was our kiss to HaKadosh Baruch The miracle of the Shemen of the Ner Hanukkah was a Baruch Hu's kiss back to us. So Hanukkah is a time of tremendous love and the tshuva that came and comes to Am Yisrael from Hanukkah is a tremendous tshuva me'aval. So certainly any negatives get transformed to positive. But you need the holy chikcha, the holy forgetting to be able to forget these things. Yosef now connecting it up to our pasha, had this power as well. Yosef needed the power of forgetting so many things. First of all, Yosef went through a very, very hard time at home, a very difficult time with his brothers. And Yosef managed to continue on, to go on, always with strength, always with his slavos, Talmud Rebbe brought down a, a fan, fascinating medrash. It says, everything that was done in the prison, hu ha he would do. Medrash said, in that prison, like in certain other prisons, the way they tried to break the prisoners was to give them meaningless work that they had to do. I don't know if people remember the bridge over the river Kwai and all these kind of things. If you're doing something that has no meaning, he said they would have a barrel of water, Each prisoner would have a cup. You would have to fill up the cup, go over to an empty barrel, and put the water in. You would repeat this until this barrel was empty, that barrel was full. Then you reverse the process, and you bring the water from here to there. Yosef did this. The word of says the Medrash, is always a lotion of Simcha. Yosef did this with Simcha. That was his life. But he said, I'm living in the now. Hashem arranged the things in the world that I am in this prison, I have to schlep water in this prison. I guess that's what I'm supposed to be doing in life. And he did it with this success. It was in the roots of his name, Yosef Hashem li ben acher. Rachel said, may Hashem give me another son. That's in his nature of looking to the future, of adding on always something new. He says this is the idea of Hanukkah, of Mosif HaHolech, of adding on that candle one after another, and also the very nature of a candle itself. He says the miracle happened with a candle to teach you that a nair always has something new happening. We look at the flame on the candle as if it's something static. But in reality, it's a constant process. The flame is burning, that's drawing oil from the cup through the wick, and the flame that you see this second is not the flame that you see the next second. It's constantly going, constantly renewing. Just a fascinating halachic uh, uh, issue that's interesting to me. The Maharal was a very strong anti-waxer, I guess you could call it. He, um, he, he really did not uh, like wax candles for near Hanukkah. Now, I'll preface, and the Maharal himself mentioned it, that the Ramah says that wax candles are totally fine for Hanukkah, and that's the way we pass. But the Maharal goes to town against wax candles in all sorts of ways. And part of what he mentions is that the wax candle doesn't have that same process. He says, the nair, which he says by its very definition in Chazal, is a cup with oil and a wick coming out of it. So the wick remains, right? Just a little bit on top burns each night. And it's just drawing the oil and renewing itself and refreshing itself. A candle... The wick burns down all the way along with the candle. So that's a different process. That's not the process we want to be focusing on on Hanukkah. We want to be focusing on the process of being able to draw from our source newness and newness each time. So that's the idea of Yosef Hashem li benacher. Now Yosef also had the aspect of forgetting. Rachel said, Asaf Hashem et cherpati. Hashem has erased caused to be forgotten my shame, my childlessness. Two sides of Yosef, remembering and forgetting. Those two go together. And so too, he named his children, one Menashe and one Ephraim. Menashe, ki nashani elokim es kolamali, Hashem helped me forget all of my troubles. And Ephraim, ki hifrani elokim, because HaKadosh enabled me to be fruitful. So he said, this is the two midos that we receive on Hanukkah. These are the ones that we bring into Kedusha as the revenge, so to speak, on Yovon. And the more that we have the Shikcha, that we can forget those things that are negative, that takes away the clouds and suddenly remember who we are. There's a Pesach in the Novi that says, The darkness covers the land. The Tzvassimus points out that darkness never really covers the land. Everything's there. You just don't see it. The light which comes enables you simply to see what's been there all along. On Hanukkah, what happens is that the remembering that you have enables you to see what's there, to remember who you are by driving away that choshech. On the other hand, memories that are dark and clouding and covering over are chased away by the light Right, that maat a little bit of light pushes away harbei mina So now I want to just move on and finish somewhat with something from the Shemish father. So I'm an interesting sefer called Nozadeshe, and these were um, based originally on notebooks of the Avnei Nezer that apparently different students were grabbing from his bookshelf and copying and doing it inaccurately and eventually it was decided to do it properly so that the things would come out. So he speaks about something that bothers all of us. We speak here about the gift of Hanukkah, about how we'll remember. And there's so many things we're supposed to remember. And how we'll forget the things that we're supposed to forget. But we all know that we have a momentary awakening and it doesn't last doesn't last. That voice is always there in your head. Every Yom tiv, You know, you're there on Rosh Hashanah. Right? T'kiyah. And he says, yeah, you did this last year also. Right? All these things. Yom Kippur. La, yeah, you did that too. Right, all these things, it, it, it's there. You know that the flame goes up and it distinguishes. It goes down. So, too, on Hanukkah, a person can see the narrows, can connect to what happened there, can remember the good things, can forget the bad things, can commit But he says, it's in our very nature. We physical human beings don't last forever, and those things that come into our world have the same property. However, if what we're remembering is something not from within ourselves, but something from above, for example, the Mishnah in Pirkei says, Every day, there's a heavenly voice that comes out from Har one of the names of Harsinai, Mount Sinai. And it says, Oy Yisrael, Woe to the Jewish people for their insult to Torah. Now the Baal Shem Tov had asked a very famous question on that, a very practical one. He said, anybody ever hear it? <laughs> so why does it keep broadcasting? Right? If nobody's picking it up. So he says, you do. He says, deep inside, those twinges of where you feel that something isn't right, or that you should be doing something more, or there's something missing, he says, that's coming from the transmission. That's coming from the Baskel. Now, sometimes we feel that more. Sometimes we feel it less. He says, but you have to know that it's always broadcasting from above. So that means, even though you fade out sometime, that doesn't mean that the station has stopped broadcasting. You can tune in again, right? 24-7, this is your Baskel station. Right? <laughs> broadcasting <laughs> live from our Okay, so, so it's there it's yours, you can connect to it. So he says, therefore, if something only comes from you, it's limited as you are. But if you are able to work down here to connect to something that's above you, so even if you lose the connection at some point, you should know you can always reconnect. He said, that's what's happening on Hanukkah. On Hanukkah, the work that was done by the Jews in that generation and each Jew in this generation, is to be able to connect to a miraculous light that came from above. When we say ha neiros halalu that these Neiros that we light are Kodesh, according to Menri Shonim, they have the Kedusha of the flames in the base of Migdash itself. That's why we're not able to utilize them. On your windowsill, wherever it is, with a little 10 shekel cheapo menorah, you have brought that Kedusha into the world. It's a Kedusha from above so even though it's true it's not always going to be Hanukkah and there'll be times when you forget it but because you connected to it you can always reconnect to it you have the receiver you're able to connect again it's always there it can always come to you and this explains the fascinating halacha with Hanukkah here's the scenario you have your little Hanukkah set up you've got your cups you've got your oil you've got your wicks how much oil am I supposed to put in? Well, you should put in enough that will last for about half an hour, right? That's the ballpark figure given for this amount that you put in there, half an hour. And you say, cool, and you prepare yourself and you say the holy prayers and you light up. And then you've been having a touch of hay fever. You give a huge sneeze and you blow those candles out the kingdom come. Oh, what do I do? They, they didn't burn half an hour. The halacha comes and says, that's okay. You don't have to relight them. You can, if you want. You don't have to. Why not? They didn't didn't burn the amount of time. They had to have the potential to burn that time. But you did yours. Why? Says that's what we're saying here. You connected. You connected to that light. That was all you had to do. That light from above came down to your windowsill. You made the connection. Even though... You lost Wi-Fi for it, and now you'll be able to reconnect. It's there. You've got a subscription. You're able to do that. This is what we're able to do on Hanukkah, and the pella of Hanukkah is that every single Jew is able to do it. This light comes down to the deepest places, the darkest places. I don't understand what they mean. Chazal say that the Shechina never goes below 10 Tvachim, below 10 hands-breadths to the world. But the Hanukkah neris are lechatchila, Your best odds option, if you're able to do it, not many people can, to light it under 10 tfachim. Because on Hanukkah, it's going to go everywhere. It goes to the lowest places. So that's the beauty of this yontav, to remember that you are able to tune in and to remain tuned in, even though we know that you're going to forget. Even though we know that it's not always going to be Hanukkah. Sometimes the wait from the Sufkani Yelten Latkes remains longer than your impression of the Nehras. But... The narratives really do last longer. That's what's there. So he says, this is kafta in zakukla. So he says, the more you put into it, the more you put into trying to remember all that you should on Hanukkah, to be able to have the simcha on Hanukkah, to be able to connect with others on Hanukkah, all the aspects of it, then it'll be easier for you to tune in again throughout the year. That's our avoda. It's the avoda of remembering that which we have to, forgetting that which would be forgotten, and to realize that the light of the Ner Hanukkah shows that we're connected to something far above us always, and that we're always able to tune into it, and not to become downtrodden when we've forgotten. To realize, forget that forgetting, and remember your remembering, because that's the true Nakama from Yavan. Everybody have a wonderful, happy L'Chteke <laughs> Hanukkah. Вот okay. okay.